it happened this week. Like, after years of fighting it. Like, it finally happened where I switched from Team Kanye to Team Taylor. And... <laughs> I, Isn't I that weird that you feel weird? for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone on uh, Twitter was like... He, someone was, was like, someone should start a support group for the people who are on the wrong side of that Kanye-Taylor Swift argument. And it's funny to me because I've always been able to separate the two but it is weird to look back and be like can you imagine the year is 2007 Kanye (laughs) does this thing with Taylor Swift and we are all like wow that was just a moment who would have known that that would turn into a decade long like a decade long just (laughs) shit show yeah, it's like, it's crazy. It was literally the beginning of something that we just could not have predicted. And I would have never, I thought that moment was interesting. I remember where I was when that happened, but I just did not think it would be so relevant. <laughs> when the spawn meets world, spawn meets world. When the spawn meets world. What up, bro? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 39. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, TC. Tone of three, Kurt, Kurt. Hey, It's been a while since it's been just you and I. You know what? I, it, I was thinking that, and I was like... <laughs> I was like, because there's one episode, and I think it's actually the next episode, I was like, oh, that would be a good episode to just do the two of us, because it's about the boys running a radio station, but Ooh. it ended up that we were on this episode instead, which, again, I don't I don't know how I feel about this episode. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that we get some things to discuss, and we get some things that are relevant, but overall, it's not like, it's a memorable episode, because you and I both remember it but it's not the best yeah and i think what i remembered from it was just this whole idea of like a cool roller coaster but that's a very small part of the story yeah Um, yeah no i agree and i think as a kid that was just the thing that caught my attention i'm not gonna lie that um i did like this dynamic of what they're doing with eric and Corey. like you know addressing the fact that they're now getting to a similar age. They're both interested in girls. Um, you know, this weird dynamic of Corey and Sean kind of being in different, not different circles, but different types or different casts. You know what I mean? I would actually I mean, say that what we're seeing is their lives becoming closer together, like merging. This, this yeah, no, no, no. Of, That's what I'm saying. Them having their separate friends and groups now. Now we're starting to see them kind of collide a little bit more. Well, that's what I'm saying. I like. I think that I really like that we explored this because they didn't have to do this. You know, they could have very easily uh, kept it to where it's like Sean and Corey have their adventure, and Corey, I mean, and Eric has his adventures with his girlfriend. But they were like, we're going to have to start merging these. And instead of just making it merge without acknowledging it, why don't we have an episode that actually is like, oh, hey, everyone's dating. And Sean is clearly the pick that a girl would choose. 
But what does that mean in this dynamic for the boys? And have we had a Eric Sean story yet? Um, I don't think so. I don't think we really have. Yeah, I I, I know that from just watching interviews and, and kind of behind the scenes stuff of the show that uh, at a certain point, Eric and Sean were not allowed to have scenes together because Ryan yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, uh, Will was just making each other laugh the entire time. So it's one it's, of my uh, favorite fun facts about the show. Yeah. Like and they I literally couldn't put it. them in the room together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's go into the, tell me about it because I want to get into these, uh, these girls from New York a little bit. All right, so let's do the tell me about it, as you said. Tell me about it. Tell me everyone in the show. Eric's new makeout buddy, Kim, has a younger cousin coming into town, and Eric offers to double date with him and Corey. But after Corey makes a childish first impression, Kim suggests Sean. At first, Eric puts up a fight, but Kim persuades him to ask Sean, and Corey stumbles across the double the double date and is insulted that Eric didn't fight harder for him. But Eric says Kim was looking for someone a little more dangerous for her cousin, and Corey is safe like lime jello. Meanwhile, at a faculty meeting, Feeney is also bothered by the assumptions that he too is boring and unadventurous. Corey and Feeney decide to set out and prove they too can behave recklessly by riding the most dangerous roller coaster in town. In a B-plot, Alan chastises Amy for spending money on an expensive haircut, but ends up losing twice as much money in a poker game. So. Yeah. That, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> where do you want to start? I, <laughs> I know, right? All right. So, you know, let's start with the A-plot, because I actually really, I, I, we said this earlier, and I like that we were exploring this this territory with Eric, Sean, and Corey. I felt like it was really good. And then also, I have to say, right off the bat, uh, Eric did fight for Corey. He, like, insisted. A hundred percent. This is my blood. I'm sorry. And then after a while, like, I remember when when Kim, like, hops on him and is, like, making out with him, I was like, this is a teenage boy. I'm sorry. I'm I'm on Eric's side. He did what he could. (laughs) I think the only thing Eric did wrong was that he didn't go to Corey and be like, hey, this is what's going on. She thinks she wants to go out with Sean. Is like, is this okay? Like, like talk to him. Exactly. Or maybe not even say this is okay, but I just wanted you to know that this is what happened and I did fight for you. The fact that he was like, Sean, of course I would go to Corey first. Like, that's where the fuck up happened. But other than that, you're 100% right. He fought for him as hard as anyone would have. Sean? Uh, no, Corey's my brother. You know, I don't want to dump my little brother. Because I think my cousin would have a good time with Sean. And if my cousin has a good time, we could have a good time. Yeah, he fought for him as hard as anyone would have. And then Kim was kind of like, uh, I don't want to say manipulative, but Kim was definitely the one who was refusing to continue to entertain Corey. And understandably, because Corey did come in, and it was just like, it was one of those moments where you're like, dude, you don't even know how you're fucking this up for yourself. <laughs> well, Sean also was flirty as fuck with Kim. Oh, Sean was smooth. This is the thing. He's so like, smooth. Sean, it is clear that Sean is like a prodigy when it comes to flirting with girls. He knows how to work it, and I applaud him for it. 
because it's a skill. <laughs> you know, I didn't really want to drink. I just heard Eric was down here with an unbelievably gorgeous girl. And I got to say, as I stand here with my own eyes, it was worth the trip. Thank you. Um, Can we, I know we just uh, kind of jumped into this, but can we do the roll call? Just because I do want to talk about Kim and her cousin. All right, roll call. Let's talk about Kim. Starting off with Kim. So Kim is the new girlfriend of Eric. We've never met her before. But Correct. did you recognize her from anything? I didn't. Not at all. Okay, so, and maybe this is just dating myself. Back when I was a child, I was a, um, I used to watch Nickelodeon all the time. And Nickelodeon had a show called Salute Your Shorts. It was about kids oh, yeah. at a summer camp. Of course, Salute Your Shorts. There was one brunette girl on there who I had the biggest crush on. I thought she was so cute. Come to find out, she's making out with Eric Matthews on the show now. Ah! So she was, I, I, I believe that's the biggest credit to her name is Salute Your Shorts. But um, for those, but the, the funny link between that is that Joey the Rat also was on Salute Your Shorts. What's so the there's way? that connection there. And I believe he may have actually, actually dated Kim's character on that show. So, um, yeah, just a funny little little cross between Salute Your Shorts and Boy Meets World. Well, it's also really weird that he wasn't um, in this episode. Not at all. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? They don't even, like, they don't even do, like, a, a slight little crossover. I mean, but to be fair, it's not necessary. But... No, I mean, and you have to also understand, too, that, like, kid shows in the 90s, especially, like, this was before, I think, uh, conglomerates realize how much money they can make off of kids because yeah. TV shows for kids got no attention whatsoever. Like there was people who probably would have been massive stars are grown to be massive stars if social media had been around at that point. But um, just, just the most talented kids that were just kind of being underlooked because they were on these inferior, what they thought to be inferior kid shows. Um and I think yeah. the fact that, like, I mean, Keenan Thompson's on his 16th episode of a uh, season of SNL. So clearly there's talent that was there. And, you know, very few people actually made it out. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they both did a really great job on that show. Yeah, I was recently watching the 90s documentary uh, that CNN on Netflix? put out. Yeah, on Netflix. So good. And, yeah, they talk about how 90210 was kind of the first time that, um, teen lives were taken seriously. You know, it's like they well, on television, had, on television, because yeah, you on, have to kind of give television. it to John Hughes for movies in the eighties. Well, yeah, yeah, but on television, uh, yeah, very good point. And it is funny to consider all of these. Like, even uh, I sent you that link to the Boy Meets World panel, and they talked about how like their show was nothing at the time. Like, you know, it, yeah. it was able to stay on, but no one cared who they were. And yeah, yeah I mean, such, it so was Will impactful. and Ryder said that they were at a coffee club, a coffee shop, like in the fifth or sixth season, and people weren't recognizing them at that point. Exactly, and yet it was so impactful to everyone our age. Like, and I think that that is amazing that they were so iconic to our generation, but as far as their day to day, no one recognized their talent uh and and that's crazy it took our generation growing up to be like hey those people who were in this show were actually really talented and were really doing something and i also think that as we grow up we can kind of distinguish the difference between like actual 
talent and talent that's maybe just kind of smoke and mirrors, which I, I, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, but now I see a lot of Disney shows and I see a lot of kids just acting like they're on a Disney show versus actually acting. And I felt like these kids are just so relatable and raw and real. And I just, I feel like there's a, there's something that we long for in our generation to the, of that authenticity that came authenticity. from the performances. Correct. Correct. All right. So um, that being said, let's talk about Kim's cousin, Laura. Yes. Played by Mina Servari. Yep, yep, yep. For uh, People might recognize her from American Pie. She was also in American Beauty. She's American. So Yeah, she, she's one of the uh, actresses of the 90s that you do recognize. I don't know if she was in everything, but she was definitely one of those actresses that I mean, I equate her with Thora Birch, and not just because they were both in American Beauty, but because they were both in that, like, they were, like, with her and Christina Ricci, and like, they were just, They like, were in that graduating girls. class, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, you know what? My relationship with her mostly comes from the American Pie movies, I would say. Um, not that those ah. age well at all, but, you know, oh, as a kid. Of course they don't. <laughs> um, and I yeah. also think she had a few other, like, shitty movies that kind of got lost in all that, all those teen releases that came around 99 or so. Yeah. Have you ever seen, um, I think we've talked about this before, and it's just one of my favorite movies, Sugar and Spice. I have not seen Sugar and Spice. Oh my god, you have to watch Sugar and Spice. It's so... It's not it's not a good movie, but it's a great like late nineties, <laughs> early two thousand movie. And you you will like it, I promise you. I don't know. I've seen some pretty bad late nineties <laughs> teen movies before. Uh, but uh, uh but that's yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, this I'll is like, shot. This is like middle of the road because the premise is actually really good. Um it has uh James Marsden as um, one of the male leads, and it's it's it has a really good cast. It's just it it also wasn't like a good movie. I, mean, I don't know how to say it other than uh, it's better than Dude Where's My Car, but it's not exactly. Uh, I see American Pie or anything like I, that. She was also in that movie. I don't know if you remember that movie Loser. No, I don't. Okay, all right, never mind. It had Jason Biggs <laughs> in it as well. I mean. This is just all right. Let's see. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we did Kim and we did Laura. Do you have anything about Laura that you wanted to say? Um, other than just the fact that she is, you know, the probably the most famous of all of the alumni of that episode. Um, from the, I mean, of the, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. Cameos. Um, but there was, there was, there we have more. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I was going to um. Dottie, or Dot, from uh, the Teacher's Lounge. Who I know as Mimi from the Drew Carey show. Exactly. That's what I was, like, the moment I saw her, I was like, Mimi! Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't really know her outside of the Drew Carey show, which is so funny because I completely forget that Drew Carey even had a show <laughs> sometimes. Um, but I used to watch it on the reg, I think. It was one of those, like, syndication sitcoms you'd watch before dinner. Things. Yeah. And um yeah, yeah, Mimi was on and she was I think trying to get some from Jonathan, so yeah, and I think Jonathan, was. Jonathan was there for it too. Yeah, oh John well here's like I feel that Jonathan was very much someone who understood 
that he was like the hottest staff member and it's just like used to being hit on by the female faculty so i think that you know he plays into it a little bit he wasn't gonna give it to me me but he was like i get it i see you girl <laughs> yeah i i don't know right, so, i i kind of read it as if the, i i kind of read it as if Jonathan was down down the clown, but that's that's. I mean, just, here's in like, my mind, Jonathan not, is not, down the clown with everyone. I would say, let's not limit Jonathan. I mean, if John want to, if he wants to pass it around, let him pass it around. Yeah, because I feel like he's just making his way through the female faculty, <laughs> and I am um, here for it. You know, what? <laughs> this is a bit early, but we're gonna do turned on by Turner because Jonathan. All right, let's, let's get start lot, it off with it. Come on. Yeah, we get a lot of Jonathan, and so the first outfit that he has, I was like, "What is this?" When he's in there, like, go back and look at it. He is wearing cowboy boots with loose fitting chinos and a, a big white shirt again. <laughs> And a ridiculously red tie. I was like, who put your costume together? This makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, this is Yeah, and they're giving Feeney a hard time about his outfit, but I was like, Jonathan, I don't think you can really talk about it right now. I don't think you're in He's the position to make fun of these outfits. <laughs> what, what made you think that this outfit needed cowboy boots? So, um, that. <laughs> but when he pops in the second time, the moment he pops in, into George's class, and he's like, hey, you know, the ski trip was thinking about you, and maybe uh, you would like to join us. I was like, this is the Turner I'm here for. Those tight jeans, that that nice denim shirt, and then when later on, he brought out that leather jacket, I was like, oh, Turner. I am Turner. Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on my Turner. Okay, okay, okay. So back to the episode. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about the um, roll call? Um, just that we see Chubby again, but it doesn't seem like it's the. It's same a different actor. Chubby. Yeah, it's a different exactly. Chubby. Yeah, um, and that's also, what, that was one of the things I was just going to comment on. It was like a different Chubby. Well, also too, um, Alan says. Oh, Amy later implies in the episode that Gordy called. And neither of the men who were playing poker at the end of the episode, none of them were the, looked at all the same as Alan's friends from the previous episodes where Gordy was. So I don't know if nope. Gordy wasn't there at that poker game or if the different actor is playing Gordy, but Alan's friend Gordy is often mentioned but rarely seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I like we're getting ahead of ourselves. I do like that scene. But the last roll call person I'm going to bring up is Elvis. <laughs> what the hell was Elvis doing in this yeah. episode? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what is this? This feels like jump the sharkish. Like it's it's so weird. <laughs> it was so random. Yeah, and like it was one thing of like, oh okay, maybe Chubby was like, there's an Elvis impersonator here. But like Yeah. No, they, they were implying it, it really as if is it was Elvis. actually Elvis who carried millions of dollars that he <laughs> in cash. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know what this is. This is very TGIF. Um, we're not trying to live in like reality here, and it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of little gags in this episode. That's the thing. It was. It seemed like it was more of a um, 
Like, some of the episodes Boy Meets World does is to really teach a lesson. Some of it's to have a really emotionally charged moment. Um, this just seemed like one for tits and giggles. Like, this was just yeah. laughs, I think. Yeah. Um, That's what I said. I was like, yeah. I wrote in my notes, I was like, uh, fun fight gags. Like, like the, the whole roller coaster thing to me was a fun psychiatric experience it wasn't necessarily like held in reality in any way <laughs> yeah and i just i mean there's little jokes here and there uh sean saying oh she's from new york you know the windy city just a lot of jokes like, <laughs> like... <laughs> well i like i liked the jokes this episode because i really liked let's start off i liked uh in my notes i have when uh eric is like Corey's my blood. I gotta stick with blood. No, Corey's my brother. Corey's my blood. <laughs> Sean has blood. <laughs> like, like, I liked that whole turn. I thought it was really, really funny. Uh, and then later on with Eric and Sean, when Eric was like, well, what does she look like? He's like, I'm paying. He's like, oh, that's exactly what I like. Uh, where are we going? <laughs> I'm paying. Oh, you know what? Again. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we know for a fact that's exactly what Sean looked for in the girl. He said yeah, it in exactly. his interview. He was like, if she's paying, it's you know she it's it's good. Like it great callback. Great callback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it up multiple times. So I mean I definitely see that being a reality. I guess my thing was just like so Kim, she wants Sean as the date for her cousin. I don't know. Like, she's like, well, if they have a good time, then we can have a good time. Is she trying to get her cousin to hook up with Sean? Yeah. Of course. She's being a great wingman or wing woman. Yeah, I guess. I don't fault her at all. I don't fault her at all. I mean, honestly, like, in her own shoes, like, if I was in her shoes, I agree. Uh, Sean's the better choice. I mean, let's just be honest. Ryder Strong has way more of a fan base in terms of teen girls than Corey does. And we're going on first impressions here. And to be fair, Corey did come into the living room spouting water onto their hard floors and made me be like, boy! <laughs> I guess that's my problem with this episode. I'm having a hard time caring about it because... Eric didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do it. Like, Kim didn't do anything wrong. Like, we get why she wants Sean to date her cousin. And, like, even Feeney, like, they keep saying that he's this, he's like, I don't want people assuming I'm that way. But at the end of the episode, he's like, you know what, I don't even, I don't even care. Like, I, I don't know. It just seemed like there was nothing really to sink your teeth into with this episode. All the problems seemed so small. Well, I disagree with you on that. I'm going to say that I thought that one of the things that this episode did well was, you're right, there weren't any, no one did anything wrong. And Corey even says that. Corey's like, no one did anything wrong. It's about perception. But Sean, it's not your fault because you probably just figured that Eric asked me first. That's it too. So you're not mad at me? No. So you're mad at Eric? No, I'm not mad at anybody. See, everyone did exactly what they're supposed to do. I mean, you guys went out with cool girls from New York, and I stayed at home and played Candyland with my sister. And lost. That's who I am, Sean. I'm a Candyland loser. It's about ego, and it's about, um, about 
basically what other people think and how it affects you. And that that's true in all three male characters. That that holds true for Corey, that holds true for Feeny, and that holds true for Alan. Because Alan's even persuaded. He's, oh, they called me names. And it's all an ego thing. And Corey feels he, he's angry that uh, Eric didn't choose him, but he also understands that uh, his behavior was, in fact, childish as a first impression. And he's like, oh, well, I need to change some things. And then same thing with Feeney. Feeney's like, you guys think because I wear a sweater vest that I'm not dangerous? And they're like, well, aren't you not dangerous? Like, like even when he's like, oh, uh, people think that I'm stodgy and conservative. Corey goes, aren't you? And that's the point. It's it's all about ego. And I I think that they they put those breadcrumbs in there and it really is worth examining. I just don't think it's as well done as Boy Meets World can do. There's a there's a part at the end of the roller coaster sequence where Eric is helping um Corey out of the roller coaster and he says, I can't believe you did this all because of me. And they just kind of have that moment where Corey and Feeney are like, yeah, we did do this simply because we wanted to try to prove something to them. How proud do you feel like they are of their decisions at that point? Do you feel like they made their point and they're like happy about it? Or do you feel like they're kind of bummed out? I had a hard time reading how we're supposed to perceive how they feel. About I, think, I think that they, they see it as a win. But I agree with you that as a as an observer, I'm like, but did you? You know what I mean? It's like, is this really a win if um, you ultimately did put your life in danger because of the opinion of your brother and a fellow faculty member? I just wasn't sure how we were supposed to interpret that as an audience, I think was kind of my big thing, even though it does seem as though um, that is the learn of the episode, the lesson that they learn is, you know, should we have done this to impress them? Are we trying to uh, portray a self that isn't who we actually are, but who we want to be? Because that's kind of the question I feel like we're left asking at the end of the episode. Well, I mean, I think who I want to be versus who I'm perceived by. Exactly. I think that Feeney, like the lesson here is Feeney is like, hey, if you only behave in the way that people expect you to behave or you take their expectations as gospel, then you're limiting yourself. You know, do what you want to do um, and, and prove them wrong. And I think if, if you take that stance, then what they did was for themselves and they're accurate. However, the episode by them leaving the note, the episode comes off as if they needed to prove it to Jonathan and Eric. And I think had they not left the note, of course, it wouldn't have been as funny and it wouldn't have made as much sense. But had they not left the note, it would have rang more true that these guys were doing it for them. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, did you notice that, like, <laughs> there's this really funny bit before Corey and, uh, Feeney get into the roller coaster where they're like, hey, you have to sign this waiver. It asks for, uh, <laughs> an organ donation. Like, they're really hi- trying to hype up how dangerous this thing is. Yeah, yeah. So they sign this waiver and they get in, and then Eric and Jonathan are helping them out of the roller coaster, and Feeney and Corey push them in and send them off. 
these men have not signed a waiver of any kind. But I love that you said that because that's you and me. I wrote also that Eric and uh, Turner did not sign the waiver. So technically, if anything were to go wrong, uh, they could still sue. <laughs> yeah, because they apparently went through all kinds of preparations as Corey and Feeney were being interviewed. There's people running around, people checking stuff out, people checking. Like, no one even looked bad and eyed. They just threw Jonathan in and was like, "Let's what, the, what does Feeney say? Let's fire this rocket or something like that. And they're yeah, all, let's light this candle. Let's light yo, this candle. The, when Feeney and Corey came back and they were in opposite seats, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Again, I laughed during this episode. I will say that it was a, it was a weird episode, but I did laugh. I laughed at the little bit and I definitely laughed at Corey and Feeney switching places and coming back. And then also when Corey's like, cake, he's like, what piece of cake? I do have a piece of cake. It was, just like, <laughs> it was fun. It was like that bit. I was going to ask, have we seen a Jonathan and Eric interaction before? Nah, I don't. Oh, uh, yeah. When they first, when we first are introduced to Turner, uh, it is um, oh, at the, the Harley fight Corey. at the end of the at the yeah, Odyssey episode, correct. right? Yeah. Correct. But that's the yeah, this was... one time we see them, but not since. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Jonathan is Eric's teacher at all. No, he's not. Even though he recognized him, but yeah, I don't think they have classes together. Yeah, I agree. Um, can we talk about this Amy and Alan storyline a little bit? Yes, let's talk about it. It's so here's the thing. First of all, Amy got herself a weave. I was like, yeah, come on, I wrote Amy. that too. <laughs> she got a weave. But what's interesting... I was like, okay, weave. And maybe like a lot of our younger listeners may not remember this, but there was a time where like, if you got a weave, you weren't talking about it. Like, it was like, you kept that thing too. Like, it was embarrassing to find out you had a weave. Like, it was one of those things where people really kept it to themselves. Amy's bragging about her weave. And maybe that's white privilege. I don't know. I was going to say, I was going to say, you were talking about minorities. Because weaves and minority was seen as, like, ghetto and all this other stuff. I feel like this was one of those things where weave was just entering the white culture. And they were like, ooh, I got, you know, I got hair extensions. And it was starting to be, like, trendy, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because to me, and I mean, this is what I thought as a child, and I still believe it to be true, is that colored people get weaves, white people get extensions. Uh, I mean, like, I don't really know the difference, so I can't say. I don't know the difference, but I'm saying that's how I've always interpreted it in my head. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I remember when Jessica Simpson came out with a line of hair extensions, and it was seen as, like, this cool thing, but, like, again... Just a few years earlier, if a girl, if a black girl had a weave, it was like, of course she does. Her, she's ghetto and like all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, of course, there's white privilege even in that. So, <laughs> but I, I mean, to go back to the episode, I was really happy for Amy and girl got that weave for $130. 
Come on. <laughs> yeah, weaves are expensive. She actually, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what the inflation situation is, but that's not a bad price. I will say to Alan's credit. I mean, it looks natural and everything. It, I had no idea she had a haircut. No idea. If yeah, I saw her, I, I would have never thought that. And that's the thing is that like she got hair extension for her hair wasn't longer. Yeah, I mean, like, I honestly, I don't even know if that is true. I don't know if it's, like, actually true. But for the sake of the story, I was like, girl, you got yourself a weave. It only cost you $130. And um, it looks natural. So good for you. But you were saying for Alan? Oh, but, okay, I, just for Alan's perspective, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference. I sympathized with him, but I also didn't feel like it was that big of a conflict yet. It wasn't until, I don't know, and I hate to keep talking about their finances, but yeah. they seem to be doing a lot better this season than last season, because I remember when Corey wanted a water gun that was like 50 bucks, and they were like, that is way too expensive, we can't do it you see me under the sink fix fixing this like sink after work right like uh, alan's constantly working now he blew almost 500 dollars in a week and that's the thing it's like obviously that may not seem like a lot of money for a weave but for the family from the first season that seems like a lot of money to spend on a haircut and 300 dollars for sure seems like a lot of money to lose at a poker game now and 500 dollars yeah, $500. <laughs> so they essentially blew the equivalent, today's equivalent of like 700 something dollars in a weekend. And they were yeah. like hugging and kissing and laughing about it afterwards. So I'm just saying that financially, they're doing much better, it seems. And maybe it has to do with Amy getting a job at the gallery. Maybe real estate was really holding them back. <laughs> maybe but then also i mean i always remember that we talked about this last week where we were like how do you do this they do have three kids and two of those kids are teenagers now so i imagine that their food bill is going through the roof um and then they also no, feed sean you better include um, sean on that food bill yeah i was gonna say and then they also include sean <laughs> so there's all of that but then a Additionally, I am on Amy's side because Amy is like, what do you have to show for your $300 spend? Mine, at least, I have, I have something to show for it. Yeah, it was a $130 spend, but I have hair extensions. This is going to last me for a while. These aren't going anywhere. It's not like I'm going to just do it again next week. You play this poker game regularly, and it costs us $300 this time i don't know i i feel like alan i three hundred dollars for a poker game that should have been a bit of a bigger deal than it was they really laughed it off and i just i don't know i i don't know if how they handled the financial aspects of that situation was realistic and because it really just ends with them just being like, ah, laughing, laughing, come and kiss me. We're both, we're, we both fucked up with money. Ha ha ha. But I was just like, mm, I feel like if finances were really as tight as it seems to be for this family, or it did seem to be, this would be a bigger discussion about responsibility. Because Alan goes from that conversation to playing poker in the epilogue scene. Again, you just yeah, lost. I think that, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that. I think for Amy, it was more of a win just to prove 
You know, because Alan did come in high and mighty and was like, how could you, like, I spend $20 on a haircut and I get to read a Playboy. Uh, you spent $130 and I could barely tell a difference. Whereas um, with the poker game for Amy, and that's, that's one of the things that I kind of want to talk about, is this kind of way of arguing and choosing when to argue and when not to. For Amy, it was way more of a when to just prove to Alan that he too wastes money and well or that she didn't so, waste money and he did or that she didn't waste money and he did yeah and that's what I'm saying it's like he came in and he was not angry but he was chastising her for her haircut and then and and what he see what he thought was a luxury good and then she's like uh excuse you let's talk about the way that you spend the money it was uh, it was strange that he brought up the Playboy thing, right? Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it's it's strange in today's world. I thinking back on the nineties, it was very it was very much more common for men to be like, "Oh yeah, I look at other women. I watch my version of porn, and it's fine." Like, I mean, how many TV shows talk about um, Playboys being in the bathroom or something like that? It's it's. I think practice. I think the idea of getting my hair cut while looking at a playboy surrounded by other men also doing that is the strangest haircut environment I've ever heard of. <laughs> Just being like, I'm so, gonna look I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I find it weird and it's unusual, but I remember I went to a barbershop in New York and yeah, they had playboys just on the table. And by the way, kids get their haircuts here. They're like, they're just on the table. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess this is a thing. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess they do have good articles. Um... <laughs> uh... right, so, I mean, I kind of want to, like, is there anything else you want to say about this? Because I kind of want to close it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you have a bra moment or anything like that? Um, there's one moment where, um, Eric is trying to convince Sean to, um, go out with, uh, Kim's cousin. And he's like, yeah. oh yeah, she, she has the body of Elle McPherson in Cindy Crawford's mind. And I was just yeah. like, I don't really know what you mean by that, but it sounds sexist and I'm not here for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I like, I like, um... Sean's reply, which he was like, "Oh, so you haven't seen her?" Like he's like, "Oh, this is, <laughs> she sounds too good to be true." You haven't seen this girl, <laughs> and, and I really like that. Um, I honestly, I didn't have one. Like there was everything Fair in this enough. episode was kind of weird, so I just didn't have one. Um, but I, I will say that I feel that the lesson uh, the Feeney taught me of this episode was that you should not let what others think about you dictate your behavior, um, even though they kind of um, take away from their point. But I still think that that's the ultimate lesson. Oh, I think the lesson is uh, don't act like a loser and you get to bang girls from New York. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, I mean, a very another very accurate lesson. Because truthfully, <laughs> that's kind of what Corey learned. He's like, if I want to go out with girls from New York, I need to be cooler. Like, that's what he learned. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, homework. Oh, sorry, great. Before we do homework, let's do great. What are you giving us? Ooh. C plus. Ah, nice. I was going to give it a C minus. All right. Yeah. Again, it's it's a very forgettable. Like, and it's funny, even though it the imagery of them in the roller coaster is very memorable, the episode as a whole is very forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with that. There are lots of clips. We get some new dynamics uh, and some new, um, like you know, Eric and Turner have a moment. Um, Eric and Sean, like we're starting to use people differently, and I like that. But at the same time, uh, it just wasn't that memorable. Yeah, yeah. All right, homework. All right, homework. What do you have? Um, for my homework for this week, I'm going to recommend a horror film. I'm 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 very into watching all these spooky type of things around Halloween, and one of the movies I'm going to recommend is a movie called uh the final girls um and what's uh-huh. really interesting about it is that it it's a movie that's almost a satire of horror movies in a way where this girl's uh mother dies and at the beginning of the movie and her mother used to be an actress that was in one of the uh kind of a a, a mock of uh Friday the 13th. So she's an adult uh-huh. and then she goes to the movie and then somehow her and her friends get sucked into this horror movie. And so they have to use all of the tropes that they know of horror movies to survive. And at the same time, this girl's getting to meet her mother and kind of talk to her and kind of build a relationship with her at the same time. It's just a very um, interesting movie. And if people who really like horror movies want to see kind of a funny um, satire of it, um, I really recommend it. It's called The Final Girls. It came out in 2015. Um, it's Farmiga. I can't really pronounce her name. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I like it. I mean, you already told me on it, but good, good. Um, so we are recording this, um, after the Boy Meets World panel at Comic-Con in New York. And, um, I don't know who saw the episode. I did, um... I did post it on our Twitter, and I hope you were able to watch the entire panel. But um, what what Eric or what Will Friedle did call out when he was on the panel was that he left doing on-screen work because of his anxiety. Yeah. Um, and there was this whole write-up about it, about how he admits to having anxiety and, like, the mental disorder – and he just owned up to it. And he was like, yeah, he was like, I felt like or the article was kind of framed in a way that he should be shamed about it. And he was like, no, I did. And I do. And I am who I am. And I thought it was really great. And I, that reminded me of this piece that I've kind of been holding on to for homework, which was that Taraji P. Henson also um, talked about mental health and her struggles with it. And she even started a foundation. Uh, It's called the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation. Um, And it is to promote mental health awareness in African-American students. Um, It's providing scholarships to African-American students majoring in mental health. And I just think that that's fantastic because African-Americans just really don't talk about mental health in the way that they're they should very often 
we refer to church or to Jesus. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes seeking mental health professionals can be very, very helpful. And uh, when I was growing up, seeking mental health uh, help, uh, therapy, you know, anything like that was considered quote unquote white people stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Imply that like um, people of color are are so oppressed that they don't have the the energy or the time or the money to put towards mental health. So it was almost one of those things that's like, like, well, it's it was looked it was almost like it was looked down upon because it wasn't an option. Like, well, let's just like we don't need that. Like we got more important things to deal with. But obviously mental health plays a, a bigger part in everything that we deal with. So Exactly. So that was was the uh, homework that I wanted to promote. Uh, the check out the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation. Uh, read up a little bit about that and about uh, Wilfred L's thing. And overall, just take care of yourselves. You know. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like, we take care of yourselves, but dream. <laughs> Would you and- say try? and try all right um, probably most importantly no we're not there yet (laughs) you can do good you can do good you can do good thank you guys so much uh for listening to brown meets world remember you can find us on spotify itunes stitcher leave us a rating we always appreciate it get back to us we love your feedback on instagram uh and twitter and uh you can find me on at extra siege that's x-c-r-a-c-c-c-e-e-j uh tonacy you can find me at braver me on instagram and that's and that's and that's all folks that's all folks later bros later bros <laughs>